friends, and welcome back to the podcast. I am so excited to talk to you guys today on this Monday. I hope you guys are having a great Monday when you're listening. I hope you're feeling still great and motivated after the new year. I still have a lot of energy, I find, after the new year. I mean, I guess it's only Wednesday on the first official week of January today, so I haven't really made it that far, but I still am feeling really motivated and really just positive right now, which made me want to talk about today's topic because over the past few months, I didn't exactly feel this way and I really processed a lot of emotions, a lot of feelings, and the best way to do that is just to take all those thoughts and throw them in a podcast. So today's episode I'm really excited for because I think it's one that we all need and it's all about negativity. So negativity within ourselves and also negativity within others and other circumstances, dealing with negative people, but also our own negativity, the negativity that we have in our mind, how we talk to ourselves, how we let our thoughts affect our work, our relationships, our habits, because I think that this is a double-edged sword and I think a lot of times we like to blame our circumstances or other people. And while, yes, you know, we do have to deal with people who maybe aren't the most positive or circumstances that aren't the most positive, I have found over the past few months a lot of the kind of mental fog I had been experiencing was because of the own negativity that I had in my mind and allowing that to just control me. And so I really wanted to put together an episode all about this. Kind of the breakdown for this, I first just want to talk about kind of my outlook on negativity what I think it is from both a biblical perspective but also a secular perspective or just from like research online and then I also just want to go in different realms that we deal with negativity and how to deal with it when you're receiving it and how to deal with it when you're the one who's being the negative one. I think there are a few realms that I personally experience this the most so I'm just going to talk about my own experience but also stories and kind of real life experience that I've had dealing with these things. So the first one is gossip. So when I was the one who was receiving it and also how I dealt with it when I was the one who was you know engaging in it and then also dealing with toxic relationships and also whenever you're the toxic one within a relationship negativity within our minds and how that affects our work and our health and then just how to build better self-esteem and then at the end I actually asked for you guys to send in some specific questions I really like getting specific questions it helps me better understand you know what exactly you guys want me to talk about and what exactly you're dealing with and I think it just adds a different element I always like when you guys get to participate in these episodes because this podcast is ultimately for the listeners and so I always want it to be stuff that you guys want me to talk about. So I'm excited for this episode. It's one that I've really done some research on and I'm excited to talk about. So I'm very thankful that you're here listening. I'm going to keep today's kind of life update pretty short because I do have a lot of stuff that I actually want to talk about in this episode. But today is Wednesday, as I said, and I have been feeling very motivated in life, motivated in my work, motivated in my fitness, motivated in like my health. And It is so refreshing and I think a lot of times when you're kind of in a little bit of a rut like I was the past few months, it's easy to take the good times for granted and it's definitely been hard going from the holidays when you're used to being around people, used to having things to really look forward to, to getting into January and I just feel like January, February, March, April is just 
a giant blur. Like all the months are the same for me. And so it can be easy to feel like there's nothing to look forward to, but it really does make me happy when even in the periods of life that might seem more dull, when you can actually find like happiness and things to look forward to, even if that's just being in a routine. I feel like we hadn't been in a routine for the past bit. And so it's so nice finally getting back into a routine. I think my body likes that more and I've just really been liking it. Another thing that I wanted to say, because I talked about this in a video, but we are planning on getting a dog soon, hopefully soon. I don't know exactly when. I'm pretty sure in the spring of 2021, but it might be the summer. So I'm not going to say like the breed or anything we want to get because I just, it's not set in stone. So I don't want to say, but we're definitely getting a dog in 2021. And I feel like all of my friends are getting dogs right now. And I just have extreme puppy fever. And we, every time we go for walks, we're always thinking like, oh, it'd be so nice if we had a dog right now. Aiden and I are some of the biggest animal people. I love animals. I love horses. I love donkeys. I love I love dogs. I love cats. I love it all. I'm a huge animal person and I am just so excited to finally have a dog of our own that we can actually take care of and have a sense of responsibility over. And so I'm really looking forward to that and I think it's going to be just a big highlight of our year and so that has been on my mind especially this week. I also put out a video this week that a lot of people gave me really good feedback on which always makes me happy. I'm trying to kind of think of different content as I've been talking about here on the podcast but I put out a video on things that I'm not buying in 2021 because have been over the past couple of years and going forward are just trying to adopt a more minimal lifestyle. I'm not going to say minimalist because minimalists live with like absolutely nothing and I still do have stuff. I still buy stuff. But I do think it's good to kind of reflect on the past year, which was a very expensive year for us, and kind of move forward and be like, okay, is there, you know, some things that maybe we don't need to buy? Are there things that didn't really add value in our life that we don't need in 2021. And so if that is of interest of you, I will have the video linked in the show notes because I do think it was one that was just really different for me and one that I definitely got some better feedback on. And so if those are some goals that you have in the new year, I also just wanted to put that out there because I do think it's something that might be more applicable for you. So getting into the meat of this episode, I wanted to kind of first talk about a negative bias and why we as humans have a negative bias. And I'm going to talk about this from a biblical perspective, but also from some research that I did that's just like secular research, doesn't have anything to do with faith or anything. It always makes me think of this passage in Galatians. I was actually reading this and it really made me think. It's Galatians 5, 16 through 24. So I'm going to go ahead and read this. It says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. And then I'm going to include some of the specific ones I'm talking about. It says enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and being one another. And I really was just focusing on the 
contrast between the things that are of the flesh and then also the things that are the fruits of the spirit. And I think it's interesting that even in the Bible, and this is something that is also similarly said in the research I'm about to say, but we never had to learn how to act out of our own flesh. We never had to learn how to be jealous. We didn't have to learn how to have fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions. These are things that are just our natural instincts. Like as babies, whenever we were growing up, this was our natural instinct and you actually have to learn the fruits, the things like kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And as a Christian, I believe I need the help of God to actually be able to produce the fruit of the spirit that I can't do those things on my own because Lord knows that I definitely struggle with a lot of the things that are, you know, acting out of your own flesh. And so I was researching this idea of having a negative bias and, you know, why we naturally do feel these things and we don't have to learn how to act out of a negative bias. And this research was from verywellmind.com, but it talks about the evolutionary perspective of this. And it says, our tendency to pay attention to bad things and overlook good things is likely a result of evolution. Earlier in human history, paying attention to bad, dangerous, and negative threats in the world was literally a matter of life and death. Those who were more attuned to danger and who paid more attention to the bad things around them were more likely to survive. This meant they were also more likely to hand down the genes that made them more attentive to danger. The evolutionary perspective suggests that this tendency to dwell on the negative more than the positive is simply one way the brain tries to keep us safe. It then goes into talking about our development and it says that research suggests that this negativity bias starts to emerge in infancy. Very young infants tend to pay greater attention to positive facial facial expression and tone of voice, but this begins to shift as they near one year of age. Brain studies indicate that around this time, babies begin to experience greater brain responses to negative stimuli. This suggests that the brain's negative bias emerges during the latter half of a child's first year of life. There is some evidence that this bias may actually start even earlier in development. So it's interesting that, you know, our inclination to pay attention to negativity, especially I think of like whenever you're looking at articles, you naturally want to click on the ones that are negative, that are kind of fear baiting, and you naturally want to click on videos on YouTube that are more clickbait or you feel like there's some sort of stake. It's because that is how we grew up. You know, it was a means of actually keeping you safe because there was real danger. There was this sense that you needed to pay attention to that to actually survive. It's actually one of those survival instincts that we have. It then goes on to talk about our brain's actual response and it says, Neuroscientific evidence has shown that there is a greater neural processing in the brain in response to negative stimuli. Studies that involve measuring event-related brain potentials, which show the brain's response to specific sensory, cognitive, or motor stimuli, have shown that negative stimuli elicit a larger brain response than positive ones. And then goes on to talk about studies conducted by psychologist John Calciapo, I think that's how I say it. It says, participants were shown pictures of either positive, negative, or neutral images. The researchers then observed electrical activity in the brain. Negative images produced a much stronger response in the cerebral cortex than did positive or neutral images. Because negative information causes a surge in activity in a critical information processing area of the brain, our behaviors and attitudes tend to be shaped powerfully by bad news, experiences, and information. I then think it's interesting. I was reading another article, and it was by Jacob Barak, and this is how it relates to romantic relationships, but it says, In 1992, Gottman found a formula to predict 
quick divorce with an accuracy rate of more than 90% by spending only 15 minutes with a newlywed couple. He spent the time evaluating the ratio of positive to negative expressions exchanged between the partners including gestures and body language. Gottman later reported that couples needed a magic ratio of at least five positive expressions for each negative one if a relationship was to survive. So if you have just finished nagging your partner over housework, be sure to praise him five times very soon. Couples who went on to get divorced had four negative comments to three positive ones. Harmonious couples displayed a ratio of about 20 to 1, a boom to the relationship, but perhaps not so helpful for the partner needing honest help navigating the world. And so while this negativity bias used to be something that kept us from engaging in things that were harmful, and you know, there are instances where we need that negative bias, but just on every single day-to-day life, most of the things that are negative that we're allowing to control us from day-to-day, so things like a work incident or things like a mean comment that you see or things like feeling insecure, like those aren't necessarily protecting us, they're actually harming us. And so I think this leads a lot to toxic relationships, poor motivation, like I said, and also just if I like engaging in negativity, I imagine everyone else does too. And it feels good to be a part of the pack. It feels good feeling like we all have common ground and it feels good to be a part of that, but it isn't necessarily the best thing for us from day-to-day life. And so I wanted to start off by talking about gossip because this kind of leads from what I said and I was doing research on gossip as well and the definition here is not necessarily negative gossip, it's not necessarily positive gossip, it's just talking about someone when they are not present. That's kind of like the universal definition of gossip, even though we tend to think of it from a negative perspective. I found this Time article, and this was really interesting, but it said, some researchers argue that gossip helped our ancestors survive. Evolutionary psychologist Robin Dunbar first pioneered this idea, comparing gossip to the grooming primates engage in as a means of bonding. Instead of picking fleas and dirt off one another to bond, Ludden explains, we now talk, which is where gossip comes in because chit-chat is mostly talking about other people and conveying social information. It says, this one was from psychologist Frank T. McAndrew. It says, it's pretty generally accepted among social scientists, at least those who accept the theory of evolution, that gossip is likely a relic of our evolutionary past, McAndrew tells NBC News Better. In order to survive and pass along your genes, it has pretty much always been necessary to know about the lives of those around you. Who had powerful friends, who was sleeping with whom, who had limited resources, and who might stab you in the back when times got tough. That knowledge helped people get ahead socially, and people who were not interested in it were at a disadvantage. They were not good at attracting and keeping mates or maintaining alliances. The ones who weren't interested in the goings-on of other people sort of got weeded out. And I just find this so interesting that it's actually something that people view as a good thing, but obviously this is talking about just knowing what's going on in the world and knowing about other people, not necessarily having a negative perception on gossip, but for me, I was thinking about it if we do have a negative bias, aren't we inclined to engage in negative gossip? And I know from my perspective, that is the case. I think people really like to talk negative about other people. It makes us feel better for some reason. While it does in the moment, it doesn't necessarily make you feel better in the long run. But I have a very specific story for this one because this is something that happened to me when I was in seventh grade. And I've talked about this before, but 
Oftentimes, those things in middle school really do stick with you. And this was a time when I was the one who was in the wrong, when I made a mistake. And it seriously has haunted me to this day. And it's the reason why I am so anti-gossiping about other people is because of this actual mistake. But essentially, I had this friend in seventh grade and we would write letters to each other. I don't know if you guys would do this in middle school, but we'd just go back and forth and write letters to each other and whatnot. And we'd exchange them after class or whatever. And I remember writing this letter to my friend and I had said something negative about this other person. I don't even remember what I said at this time because I kind of blocked this out, but I wrote this letter to her and somehow she lost the letter and it fell on the floor or something. And the person who I wrote something negative about actually found the letter. And I'll never forget, we were in like a gym class or something and she confronted me and like pulled out the letter and read it out loud to me and asked me why I would write something like that about her. And it has scarred me to this day. I never really think of myself as someone who really engages in a lot of gossip. And this was seventh grade, so I need to give myself some slack. But I have felt so bad for this incident. It is one of the things that I regret the most in life. And it's so simple. But I just remember how I hurt that person. And I can't even imagine finding a written letter of something that was negative about me. To physically see a letter, seeing something from someone who you don't even know, it just really hurts. And so I think being on the side of engaging in gossip, it has never made me feel good. It has never made me feel like a better person. It's never made me feel closer to people. And then on the receiving end, like I said, I do see a lot of stuff about myself online. You know, I'm not just talking about constructive criticism. I think that's a totally different thing and there is definitely a time and a place for that. I understand that. But when it's just totally rude comments about your appearance, your clothes, your relationship, your family. You can read awful things about people online. (laughs) Like, you can do research and you can just find the meanest things about people. For the most part, I really only take things to heart that are said by people who I have a relationship with, who I truly do know that I'm in community with, because to me, that's what matters. But it can be hard. And so, I think my biggest tips for actually breaking the habit of gossiping is one, just asking yourself why you're doing it. Are you doing it to fit in? Are you with friends and everyone's doing it? Is it just entertaining? Is it because you don't have anything else to talk about? Is it because it makes you feel good because you're actually insecure about the thing that you're gossiping about someone else about? Because I know for me, when I'm engaging in gossip, that is totally likely the reason. I often find when I'm talking negative about someone else, it's often in an area that I am insecure about in myself. And I can just say that boldly. And I wish if we could just admit that, it would be easier to move on from it. But a lot of times it is jealousy. A lot of times it is envy. So just ask yourself, why am I doing this? And especially why am I enjoying it? And number two is see who you're surrounding yourself with. I know that there are people who are just more likely to engage in gossip. There are people who just enjoy it. They like it more. And maybe that's not the best thing to be around. Maybe ask yourself if this is the best friendship or relationship to be in, if that is the basis of the friendship, just gossiping about other people. And I think on the other hand, if you are receiving negative gossip and you hear things about you, I think the first thing you can do is just confront them. I mean, I can say from personal experience, that works for me because I hardly ever do it anymore because I remember that instance of hurting someone and I always have felt bad since then. And I obviously apologized and whatever, but it's still, it does 
make you feel really bad inside. So ask yourself if you can confront them and if that's not the route that you want to go. Just number two, know that it's not personal. It was likely said because someone is trying to fit in. It was likely said because they wanted to get a rise out of you and it is so much more a reflection of the person than it is of you. And I think that's the hardest thing to remember that, you know, there's a saying that hurt people hurt people. It really is true. When someone is hurt, and I find when I'm in a more negative space in my life, I project more negativity on the world around me versus people who are focusing on their own goals. They are content with their relationships. They are feeling, you know, good self-esteem. They're not as likely to project that negativity on other people. That you know your worth, you know who you really are. And I personally think when you actually engage with someone who's saying something, you know, mean or whatever about you, you're kind of giving a platform to it versus just not acknowledging it and not giving it a platform. There's a verse in Proverbs. It's actually Proverbs 4, 20 through 27. I always think about this when I'm thinking about gossip, but it says, my son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the spring of life. Put away from you crooked speech, and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward, and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. And this is what I was talking about. When you are so focused on the path ahead of you, and so focused on what you're called to do, You're not going to be distracted, A, by gossiping about other people, but B, engaging with gossip that other people say about you. There's this principle of guarding your heart, and it's so important that when you are, you know, searching for negativity, you're going to find it, and you're going to engage with it, and it's not good for your heart. You have to physically put barriers up, put boundaries up to keep yourself from that. And I just want to talk about dealing with negative people specifically. So this can be negative friendships, negative relationships, whatever it may be. And this is one of the reasons why I have always had kind of a small friend group. I personally really do like being around people who aren't super negative. And I know I have times when I am feeling more negative when I'm projecting on other people. So I'm not saying I'm immune to this. But for the most part, it is hard to find solid friends who are focused on that path ahead of them. And I remember in high school specifically, this is something I will never forget. I was hanging out with people and they were like, let's just go on Instagram and let's just look at girls at our high school and make fun of them and pick apart things that we think are weird about them. And I just remember thinking like, are you really just going to sit down and like look at people's profiles and make fun of them and find insecurities in them? And they would do that as like a hobby. And I can just say that that is not the best thing to be around. It's not a good thing to be around. And it's definitely not keeping your heart from negativity. I would just recommend not being in relationships like that. I have personally never had like a negative romantic relationship. But I have within my relationships felt times where I was more inclined to have that negative bias. There were times when I would nitpick at things, when I would just feel very discontent, whether it be with my work or in college. I wasn't getting good grades, so I would just unleash and go off about things that obviously weren't having to do with, at this time I was dating Aiden, so obviously weren't having to do with Aiden, but I was feeling insecure, so I was taking that out on him. And we have a very just solid communication where we can usually, you know, bicker or whatever for 30 minutes, and then I will pull back and be like, this is literally just me feeling insecure about X and just having to acknowledge that. 
And I think actually being able to acknowledge if you're the problem in that situation is really helpful. But it does take a lot of, you know, self-reflection. It takes a lot of knowing yourself on your own before engaging with other people. So I think my biggest tip would, one, just assess if you'd rather cut these people out of your life or have a conversation about why they're being negative. So if these are people who are the ones who are constantly trying to gossip, they are nitpicking at you, if they're actually saying things about you, you know, assess if maybe this is worth having a conversation to see if they have something they're going through because often people are going through things. Oftentimes people are upset about something in their personal life and maybe you could actually be there for them and talk it through and then get past that negativity. Or the second thing that I would recommend, if this is just kind of like a casual relationship, not like a very close friend, I am a big fan of fighting these things with humor or just positivity. And so it's just interesting to see people's reaction, especially in person if you do this. I've done this before with, you know, maybe there is someone who's like rude in a store or something and you'll just like say something funny. It really does help to lighten the situation by making it humorous and just making it less serious than it needs to be. And oftentimes this kind of gets the other person out of their shell too and makes them realize like, oh yeah, this isn't as serious as I think it is and it helps kind of have a conversation too. So I think that that's a good way to go about it. And number three is just to work out your own problems. If you're the person who is bringing that negativity into someone else's life, that is not fair for anyone else. That is not good for anyone else. And so I would recommend going through processing on your own. So whether that be you're in a romantic relationship and you're feeling, you know, really bitter about something, talk about that with them you know, just have open communication or two, go to therapy. I know therapy is not accessible for everyone, but you can talk to a friend, talk to a family member and just find what the real issue is because oftentimes there is a real issue and you just need to talk about that instead of just projecting that onto other people. And now I wanted to go into negative work thoughts. So I think my work is one of the biggest areas that I have some negativity and that usually results from comparing myself to other people. So when I worked at an agency, that was when I would compare myself to my coworkers or I just had this fear of getting fired. And I actually researched this and it is very much a thing. People do have a fear of getting fired or I would just feel insecure in my work that I do now. And I let those work thoughts really consume me and I think the biggest thing that I've had to do is one, acknowledge the fear and acknowledge that it's irrational. So when I worked at the agency, I really had to tell myself that I'm not going to get fired unless I do something totally outlandish. For the most part, I do have some job security. And even if you think about it, sometimes I'll think, okay, what is the worst case scenario? And I'll actually think, what is the worst case? If I do get fired, I get a different job. I'm out of work for a little bit, then I get a different job. Especially if you don't like the job and you're having negativity there, think, what if I was in a different job? And obviously, I recognize it's not as easy as just like getting to not have a job because you need money and it is that situation as well. But I think thinking about the worst case scenario and how bad it can get and then realizing that that is so irrational and is not going to happen can actually make it better. And number two is if you are working somewhere where you have coworkers who have a lot of anxiety. So a lot of times I think when there's a lot of stress at work, all the coworkers kind of feel it, but maybe you don't necessarily feel stressed. It's just the coworkers, but you're letting that affect you. Don't let the anxiety of them affect you and shield yourself from that. Acknowledge that 
maybe this is something everyone just kind of relates to. They feel comfortable having conversation around, but it isn't actually rational and I'm doing a good job. I don't feel that stress and just don't let it affect you. If there is genuinely an area of your life within your work that you can improve on, try to see if there is an area that you could to feel more secure. Is there a reason you feel insecure in this area? And this was something I was going through because It was during the holidays and I felt like I wasn't putting out enough content. I felt like I wasn't being the best that I could. And I was letting that negative thought pattern actually keep me from doing a good job. Because a lot of times when you just compare yourself to other people or feel like you're not doing a good job, instead of allowing that to propel you forward, you let it hold you back and you let it keep you from doing a good job. And I found that this week when I actually started putting things together, I started actually being more proactive in my work, I feel a lot more security and I don't feel as negative because I'm making strides forward. And so that is one of my biggest tips for kind of getting out of a work funk. I honestly know it's different for everyone though. And it is probably the hardest area for me personally, but you've got to just push through and it will get better. So now I just wanted to talk about how negativity affects our health and fitness. So this is a big one that I oftentimes get questions about and it usually stems from feeling unmotivated because you think working out or eating healthy isn't doing anything. You feel like you don't look the way you want to. You feel that you have a negative perception of yourself, so it's keeping you from actually engaging in fitness and health. And then I think there's another side of it where maybe you just go to the gym and you feel like you don't know what you're doing. You think everyone's thinking X about you, and so you feel a negative bias towards the gym itself or your at-home workouts, whatever it may be. And so I think my biggest tip is, one, just to find out why you're doing what you're doing. Why are you working out? Why are you trying to eat healthier? You know, what's your why? And I can just say from experience, if it's because you're trying to look a certain way, it likely won't last. It just won't. I had times, especially in high school, where it was about trying to look better and I didn't feel as motivated. Whereas when it shifted from being that to actually being for energy, for being for endorphins, being it something that I'm doing for myself, like I value myself. I think that I am strong. I think that I deserve this. So I'm going to do a really good workout or whatever it may be, or, you know, fueling myself with really healthy whole foods. Like I deserve this. This is something that I actually like. It's coming from a high self-esteem that you have rather than being, I look so bad. I ate so bad the past week. And so I'm going to force myself to work out as like a punishment. And I think that is where a lot of the kind of negative relationship with health and fitness from my own experience in the past used to come from. So to try to make it something that it is for the energy, it's for the endorphins, it's for wanting to be better for yourself, but not for punishing yourself because you don't need to punish yourself for already so hard on ourselves as it be. And I think number two is finding out what you like. It's a lot easier to have motivation and to feel more positivity whenever you're working out when you actually like what you're doing and for me personally I love to run and I love to do like dumbbell hit workouts that's what I like so that's what I do I personally don't like spinning I don't like riding a bike I don't enjoy that so I'm not going to do it I found Cindy Cummings as I've talked about all the time on this channel I'll have her in the show notes but she is probably one of the most positive upbeat trainers I love her videos they're always different 
They always just help me move and it's the best part of my day doing her workouts. I love them. And so I really do give her credit for a lot of my healthier relationship that I have with health and fitness because I've been doing her videos. And number three is kind of on the other side, unfollow different fitness people who aren't motivating you in a healthy way. You know, find healthier influences Maybe you're following people because you're comparing yourself to them or how they look, whether that be like a fitness trainer or someone who is posting their meals. I recently found a really positive influence in the food space that I love. So I got this cookbook. It's called Define Dish. And it's like healthy-ish recipes, which are my favorite, where you can throw in cheese if you want to. You can throw in stuff that maybe most healthier cookbooks don't include, but she's all for it. Her name is Alex Snodgrass. I believe that's how you say her name, but I follow her on Instagram and I just love her content. She's very practical, very real, but it's not in a way of I eat a green juice and that's all I eat every day. You know, I feel like that's a lot of healthy people. And so obviously that's not actually healthy, but I just really like her content and it makes me a lot more motivated and it helps me think of fitness in a positive way or think of health in a positive way when I'm actually consuming content from people who do see it from a positive perspective. I now wanted to run through some of the questions that I got. I'm going to keep these all anonymous, but I just think that some of these are really good, so I wanted to read them. This first one says, I recently got married and my in-laws live about a half day's drive away. Lately, we've been seeing them about once a month. My mother-in-law is a great person, but she tends to be very critical. I feel like every time a visit is over, I end up feeling really discouraged, upset, and just downright negative. Since this isn't a relationship I can just cut out of my life, what are some ways that I can be around my mother-in-law and not let her negativity make me negative? This one is definitely hard. Obviously, a mother-in-law relationship is one that you can't cut out and you can't exactly just shield yourself from the negativity and you also don't want to necessarily confront them. You don't want to actually like say something and this one's really hard. I think my biggest tip depending on what the negativity is, if she's just being critical about other things, but if it's specifically you, I always believe that your partner should be the one to stand up for you and not let it put you in a situation where you have to actually confront them. And also maybe, like I said earlier, try to kind of put some humor in it if she's having a critical moment, because then it's not necessarily you trying to fight back with trying to stand up against her, but it's just you trying to make light of the situation. But I always like to put it on the partner to put them in the position where they maybe talk to the mother about it or if they're the ones who just say it or maybe they're the ones who are defending you. So it's not putting you in an uncomfortable situation. I do know that it's hard though and sometimes it's not the end of the world that someone's making like quips every now and then that are critical And if it is something that you see them about once a month, like maybe it is just one of those things that you can kind of like get through. But I do know that's hard and I do know that it puts you in a really hard situation and I don't have a lot of tips personally for this, but maybe just don't engage with it. It might be kind of awkward, but just kind of stay silent instead of like trying to like laugh or respond to it. I think a lot of times silence makes people kind of uncomfortable when they're being critical because they're like, oh, they're not responding. Did I say something wrong or whatever? And so it kind of helps just 
steam down the situation, but I'm sorry you're going through that. It definitely stinks and it's very hard. This one says, I am wondering if you have any advice on getting out of a negative headspace, particularly in the world that we are in at the moment. I'm in the UK and from today, we are now having our third national lockdown. I already miss my family and my friends deeply. My workplace is now closed and with not even the gyms being open as an outlet, I am really struggling to feel positive and motivated after nearly a year of the situation. It is hard not to see only the negatives and no light at the end of it all. I was wanting to be optimistic for a new year in 2021, but with this news, I am struggling to feel motivated for anything. I know we are not the only country in the situation, so I'm sure others could benefit from some advice or tips to prevent getting into a negative headspace with everything going on. This one is so hard like so hard. And I think especially the point where you said recognizing that it's almost been a year, it's so mind-boggling to think and almost kind of forgetting what it was like before this. But something that I have been encouraging myself with right now, I think there's a lot of pressure to accept this as like the new normal and to call it the new normal and to acknowledge that this is new and normal. I understand people are doing that to encourage them to stay home and whatnot, but it's not supposed to be the new normal. Like life is not supposed to be this way. Life is made by seeing our family and seeing our friends and getting to visit new places and getting to see new places. Like that is a lot of what life is meant to be and we are meant to be in community. Like as humans, we are meant to feel physical touch. These are things that are good and things that are the way life is supposed to be. And though it's not like that right now, I honestly comfort myself the most by knowing that this is not the way life is supposed to be, but it's the way it is right now. And it's not permanent. Reminding myself that it's not permanent. And even if you see articles about how life's going to be like this till 2023 or whatever it may be, know that there is hope. And I know it's hard when everything around you is telling you the opposite. For me, something that really helps me is just having something to look forward to every week. And I know while you're home, especially in a more strict lockdown, it can be difficult to find that. But even if that is trying a new recipe, even if that is going for a walk, even if that is seeing your fiance, I think you said that you're engaged, whatever it may be, having simple things to look forward to really makes life a lot better. Like yesterday, we were in our apartment all day and we were just feeling kind of low energy, feeling just a little sad, but we just went for a walk. It was a beautiful day outside. We just walked for 20 minutes, came back and we felt great. And we were talking about how it's so nice just to have that simple walk to break up the day and it really does make life better. So having those simple things, but also knowing that this isn't necessarily normal and it's good to know that it's not normal because when you start feeling like everyone else thinks it is normal, you start to feel like the crazy one. Like, why am I so discontent? Why can't I just do this? And so acknowledging that and then just trying to find the simple things. But I am so sorry. I know it's been really hard for a lot of people, but we definitely will get through it. This one says, just wanted to say, I've been watching your videos since we were both in middle school and I absolutely love your content. So sweet. I feel like it feels like you're a friend in all of your videos, which is why I keep watching. Thanks for always being a bright light. And that's why I'm asking you this regarding negativity. I find myself hate stalking people on social media quite often. If you're not familiar with that, it's just about finding myself gravitating towards others' account and going through their photos, and it puts me in a bad mood. 
Whether that be people I know or don't know, I just get either jealous or really bothered by others, and I'm not sure how to break the pattern. I'll spend a lot of time looking at someone's page and picking apart their faults for no reason, and in turn comparing myself to them and realizing it's really about more that I'm jealous than I'm actually being bothered by them. I know you've spoken on comparison before, but I was wondering on how you kind of stay in your own lane, I guess. I find it hard to stop judging others and to focus on myself. Any tips are appreciated. I really appreciate that you said this because I think this could be something that's hard to admit. Like, it's hard to admit that you do this. And I think we all have that negative bias to judge people initially. So you're definitely not alone. I am a big believer that when you have something that is tempting you in a negative way, it is best just to eliminate it it's best to like get off it. And especially with social media, I would recommend you to try to do like a social media fast. So maybe you go off Instagram for maybe just a day for once. You just try not to go on and see how you feel. There is such a direct correlation for me by my mood and my positivity levels in comparison to how much I'm on my phone that day. On the days that I am just scrolling a lot, I'm looking online, I'm reading things, I'm looking at photos, I feel so much worse. A, because I just feel like I'm not getting enough done and B, because it's not good. You're not meant to see that much content. You're not meant to consume that much and especially if you are naturally kind of judging people when you're actually reading this content, that is not good for you either. It's not good for them and it's not good for you. And so I'm a big believer on doing like a social media fast when I feel like I keep being attracted to my phone to do this, I'll just get off. And I know it's easier said than done, but it really does help. And honestly, if there are people who maybe you find yourself comparing yourself to, even though you're actually judging them, try to just mute them. I do this pretty frequently when there are people who I feel like I'm comparing myself to and not in a healthy way, I'll just mute them. I won't look at their posts and it really does help. You don't have to actually like unfollow them or anything, but you could just mute them and not see their stuff. So that's another thing I'd recommend. But I know that's hard. Maybe try to figure out if there is something you're insecure about in your own life that you're projecting onto these people and try to work on that. But it is hard, but that's what I would recommend. So this is the last one I'm going to answer just because I realize this is 45 minutes already, but it says, as for the podcast, I've been dealing with negativity in two main ways recently. The first one is related to a manipulative, toxic relationship with a parent and how it can affect my future. As I grow older, my situation becomes more apparent to me and there's a lot of negativity around it. Although family is something I've always valued, I'm afraid to take a step back, but saying just surrounds me in negativity. The other is relating to negativity surrounding my thoughts towards my relationship with my boyfriend. I don't want to self-diagnose myself, but my symptoms are very similar to those of someone with ROCD. In other words, I overthink my relationship and question if I even love him. I then start to spiral into trying to seek affirmation and whether or not I actually love him. I don't have any reason not to. He's a wonderful guy and we've been together for over a year now. It's just that whenever there's more negativity in my personal life, it seems that I bring it into my relationship and overthink it. I've told my boyfriend this multiple times. So I'm not keeping him in the dark or anything. So this one is really interesting because it's exactly what I said a lot of times when you're experiencing stress in work or you are down about the world, whatever it may be you always have this kind of inclination to bring that into your relationships. And so I wouldn't necessarily take like drastic approaches to this. You said that you talked to your boyfriend about it, but I think continuing to communicate that to him and just be honest about how you're feeling and be honest about the other things that are going on in your life. For me personally, I feel so much closer to someone when I just admit when I'm struggling with something 
and it really does make me feel closer and I feel a lot more affirmation when I just open up. And something that I really like that Aiden and I both do, there are times when I want tangible solutions, when I want to talk to him about something I'm dealing with and I want actual advice and I want to kind of move forward. There are times when I just need to put up a burden that I'm dealing with and actually just talk about something but not get advice when I just need him to listen and to be there for me. And I think that can help with your relationship to just make sure to be open about the kind of communication you want to have and how you're feeling. I don't think it's probably your boyfriend. I don't think there are actually things that are making you doubt the relationship. I do think it's probably the stresses of the other parts of your life. I mean, I can't say I don't know your relationship, but maybe think if there's a specific thing that's triggering you to kind of have these thoughts, if there's something within your relationship, and just be open about that too. I'm a big fan of just communication. I think it. they say that leaders clarify confusion And I think whenever there is any sort of confusion, just hashing it out and letting it be known really does help. As for the parent part, this is a lot harder because I don't think you can just cut out a parent unless you are literally being like verbally or physically abused. I think that's a totally different situation. But I think as you get older, you do get more freedom. You do get to choose how much you want to be a part of your parents lives how much you want to see them you get to see how close you want to be and that's something you get to decide and I am also a believer that family is something that's valuable and I do think you should make them a priority but I obviously don't know the situation maybe it sounds like you said it is affecting your future so maybe they are kind of being controlling about where you go to college or where you move or how you're moving forward in life whatever it may be And so I think just recognizing that you can take your parents' advice, but at the end of the day, you do get to make your own decisions unless you're living at home. Like, there's so many caveats to this. So I think you just have to take maybe the criticism that they say for what it is and then make your own decisions depending on how much of an influence you want them to be in your life. I can't really give advice beyond that. I hope this helps. It's definitely a tricky situation though, so I totally feel for you. And I'm just going to wrap it up here because I believe it's been a little bit of time, but I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. I hope it inspired you to think of ways that you can deal with the negativity in your own life and also just reflect on the negative thoughts that you have and those negative thought patterns. I did do a whole episode on boundaries and I think that these kind of go hand in hand. If you want to listen to that one, it talked about boundaries in relationship and work and family, all those situations. So you guys should definitely listen to that episode if you feel like you want a little bit more knowledge on this topic. But obviously I'm not a professional too, so this is just from my own personal advice. I really like being vulnerable on here and just sharing actual real life experiences because I am a human and I also deal with these things. So if you enjoyed, feel free to write a podcast review that definitely helps the podcast or just give it a star rating that really helps bump up the podcast. And it's something that I'm really trying to work on in the new year. So I hope you guys enjoyed. I'm so thankful for you guys. Feel free to let me know if you listened. I love reading your Instagram stories when you tag me in them on Mondays when you're listening. It really makes my day. It's just at Michelle Reed. If you want to follow me and tag me, I always love responding to those. So I'm so thankful for you guys and I will talk to you guys next week. Bye friends.